The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Now joining us on today's Saturday Scouting Report episode here for Big Blue View is Mark Schofield, our quarterback evaluator, puts out a ton of great content and articles about quarterbacks as well as with Touchdown Wire. Mark is here today to discuss Trey Lance, the only quarterback that is of a notable value to already declare. Jamie Newman has declared also, but Trey Lance now out currently one of the few first-round guys that is on the market. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to join the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Joe, Chris, great to be with you guys. Excited to talk about Trey Lance. Excited to see uh, where he's going to end up, how things go on his sort of path to the NFL. But more than anything else, just excited to be here with you guys. So uh, so Trey Lance is really a perplexing prospect because if you see what the former Walter Payton man of the, or sorry Walter Payton Award winner rather um, at the FCS level what he was able to do in his national championship campaign in 2019 he made a lot of fantastic plays and then the very odd statistic that almost never happens in college football is not turning the ball over once in his redshirt freshman year Mark just from your perspective on a very base level what are some of the traits that Lance has? that stands out to you and might be standing out already to talent evaluators? Well, I think there are three that come to mind, athleticism, arm, talent, and scheme fit. Um, we'll take those sort of in order. Lance, obviously, in North Dakota State's offense, he did a lot with his legs, um, You know, perhaps in line with where college offenses are today, but they used him on designed runs. They put the football in his hand at times. In their national championship game that year, I believe he had more runs than throws. But he showed you the athletic ability where you could drop him into some NFL offenses today that rely on the quarterback to use his legs as a weapon, and you could see how he would be effective. And you're seeing more NFL offenses open to the idea of the quarterback as a offensive weapon, not just somebody to make throws from the pocket. So he checks that athleticism box. And there's the arm talent. Um, makes throws with accuracy to all levels of the field on and off platform, inside, outside of structure, inside, outside of the pocket. And arm talent is one of those boxes that you also have to check as a quarterback. It's one of those 
abilities that I think is becoming more of a non-negotiable when you start thinking about what a quarterback has to have to make it in the next level. It doesn't mean you have to have Josh Allen's arm strength or anything like that, but you have to meet and surpass a basic threshold of velocity, of accuracy, of trajectory, and he checks all of those boxes. And finally, I think the thing that will have him on NFL radars and might make him very attractive to a certain number of coaches around the league is the offense he was running at North Dakota State. Yes, they did a lot of spread stuff. They did some things relying on his athleticism like I just talked about. But you also saw some of those under center plays. You saw some of those play action where he puts the back to the defense, which cuts down the time he has to make progression reads and diagnose what the secondary is doing. Those are things that a lot of quarterbacks don't enter the league having the skill set and the experience doing. He checks that box. A lot of college quarterbacks, they're working more spread, mesh in the backfield where your eyes are always on the secondary, and then having to adjust to that back to the defense type of play is a bit of an adjustment and a learning curve. So he checks that box as well. So those are the three areas where I think you know Trey Lance has a background and body of film work that scouts are going to appreciate. Those traits, I think, are pretty apparent just watching him on tape. He is a big, powerful guy. He can run. His throwing motion looks a little weird to me. I Maybe not quite Philip Rivers, but kind of in that direction, maybe a little bit with that, I don't know, it seems like a short three quarters release, but you know, the, the arm talent, it, you can definitely see that. You can see him throwing off platform, throwing on the run and being able to hit guys while doing that. But, you know, he he isn't at the top of this quarterback class. So what other than not being Trevor Lawrence do you think is kind of holding him back from that? Maybe keeping him in the top three or depending on what happens with uh, Kyle Trask, some of the other quarterback prospects that are kind of emerging in this very weird season. What are keeping him being in that three to five range as opposed to maybe the top one or two? Well, Chris, I think part of it is what you just alluded to there. The fact that this is a strange season. You know, we get the benefit of a full body of work from guys like Trask, who's having a fantastic year, from Zach Wilson of BYU, who's having a fantastic year, from Mac Jones at Alabama, who's putting together a quiet little campaign. And we've seen quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Mitchell Trubisky, others, sort of rise up boards thanks to a full season, a final season in the college level where they can put it all together. Whereas Lance, you have a freshman season, which was great, but as I know we're going to talk about, was an FCS campaign. And then you have the one showcase game against Central Arkansas where – It wasn't like he lit the world on fire. A lot of people were excited to see that game, and he certainly showed you flashes of what he can be and flashes of the traits that I just talked about, but he turned the ball over and made a couple of mistakes, and now people are a little wary. And so I think that is holding him back. And also, I mentioned the scheme fit, and there are pros and cons to that. The pros are, yeah, some NFL scouts might like seeing that. They might like seeing the offense that he runs in. For example, when I did a video on Trey Lance with Matt Waldman, you know, Matt and I talked about how Kyle Shanahan could probably draft Trey Lance right now, drop him into his offense, and not miss a beat. You know, because he could run that Kyle Shanahan under center, 21 personnel, play action type of stuff and have success. But as we've seen with the San Francisco offense, you know, part of the success of that offense and the success that the 49ers have had is it gives the quarterback a lot of help. And that's what Trey Lance was playing with. He was playing in a system that does give him a lot of help. And so for other 
offenses, other schemes, he might struggle. There might be a very steep development curve. And when you're got, you have a, a small body of work to base an opinion on, you have a quarterback that might need some more handholding. You have the FCS question, and then you balance that with guys like Lawrence, guys like Fields, who's really helping himself this year. You know some of the other guys we just talked about, like Trask, like J- you know, Mac Jones, and you know Zach Wilson. It might be a tougher sell if you're a general manager, if you're an evaluator, to sell it on. Look, we could still draft this guy early ahead of those guys. We have more information on. It's going to make it a tougher pitch, you know, in those draft rooms. So those are probably, I think, some of the things that are holding them back beyond the, you know, some of the questions about, you know, working through reads and working through progressions and some of the other elements of his game. So you you already just touched on here. One thing that we were really curious about was the fact that he not only played at the FCS level, but this is a guy that's actually an underclassman deciding to declare at, from the FCS level. That really does not happen. I played at the FCS level. I've seen what some of these guys need to do in order to stand out. But as a, a essentially as a redshirt sophomore playing only one game, he is now declaring and he's now a part of this draft pool. Does that ultimately, and you already talked about how it complicates things, like how much further does this make things more confident to sell as a scout or as the general manager, even or maybe as a head coach, if you're trying to sell this guy as the guy you want to lead your franchise going forward? Yeah, it's a tremendous question, Joe, because you know we have to remember and sometimes this gets lost during the draft cycle, that the people in those rooms making those decisions, they have bills to pay. They have mortgages. They have, you know, tuitions and things like that. They don't want to get fired, you know? And as we've often seen during draft cycles, it's an easy pitch to say, hey, here's the guy, the quarterback from a power five school that's played a couple of years, had a great final season, you know, this is the guy we should draft because if he busts, it's like, well, you know, you drafted the mold. You know, when you step outside of that and then say, look, we're going to draft an FCS kid, a redshirt sophomore who played a season in one game and has some questions about not just the level of competition, but how much film he has put together. No, we're going to pass on some of those other safer plays to draft this guy. If it goes wrong, you get fired. I mean, let's just put it out there. You know, if you draft Justin Fields, you know, we'll just say arbitrarily fourth overall, and it doesn't pan out. Look, you drafted a Big Ten Ohio State quarterback. It seemed like it would fit, and it didn't work out. You're not going to lose your job over that. Or if you do, you're going to get another one pretty quickly. If you pass on that guy to go outside the box a bit and draft Trey Lance and he doesn't work out, that's a decision that gets you fired and it doesn't get you another job right away. And so that's one of the things that I think Lance's family himself, these people around him have to be concerned about is the reality of how this business works. And so that's going to be a concern. I do think that we have to remember though, the flip side of that is we often think about FCS quarterbacks and the level of competition. And we say, well, you know, they're not playing against the best talent. There's going to be a learning curve. Don't forget, you've got a defensive coordinator that you're going against as well, whose entire job is to confuse you and make you make mistakes. And, you know, this is something I went through with the Carson Wentz wars in 2016 when people were saying, oh, you can never draft an FCS quarterback from North Dakota State, second overall. It's crazy. The guy got hurt his senior year. Like, this is insane. And I kept telling people, look, yeah, the level of competition wasn't great, but he's going up against defensive coordinators who were trying to confuse him, and they weren't able to do it. And so, yes, the, the guys on the field, that's one thing, but you're also going up against 
coaches that are paid to do what they do. So they have to keep that in mind as well. So for all that stuff that you you just threw out there and some of the complications with it, do you think that Trey Lance is a, a player that might significantly benefit going into um, a situation like a Jordan Love has where he's not expected to start coming from a smaller FBS program, but a lot of people consider him to have some serious arm talent. Do you think that, that he's better off going to a team like that rather than maybe a team like, and we're obviously a Giants show here, like the Giants that need to, if they chose to move on from Daniel Jones, wanted a quick change of, of scenery and somebody who could possibly have an impact immediately? Absolutely. I mean, I'm firmly in the camp of team bring quarterbacks along slowly unless they don't give you a choice. You know, I think look at the Dolphins and how they handled Tua. Look at the Chargers. Justin Herbert only saw the field because of a medical mistake. I mean, if a quarterback shows you that he can handle things on day one, like I think Joe Burrow showed Cincinnati, yeah, you can start him right away. But I'm more of the mind that I know the economics are such that you want to play rookies quickly. But I do think that you can bring them along slowly, particularly guys like you mentioned, Jordan Love. That's a great example. I think Trey Lance would be another example where unless you are running that same offense, you know, you want to bring him along slowly. But I do think that he's somebody that can develop into an upper tier starting quarterback in the National Football League. I'm, I have that belief based on the film. But I'm just a guy sitting in front of a microphone that's drinking a Sprite Zero right now. And if I get that pick wrong, if I get that evaluation wrong, I probably don't get fired. You know, so it's a bit safer for me. You know, so for those men and women in the room that have to make that decision, it is a tougher call. And those factors we just talked about will go into making that decision. But I do think if the Giants, you know, to drill this down to New York, if they do decide to move on from Daniel Jones, I'm not sure that Trey Lance is going to be the answer, at least in the immediate future. Okay, so I actually have two things. One is more of a philosophical thing I've been wanting to ask you, so I figured I'd take the opportunity. And But the first part is just, you know, do you think, you know, based on how raw Trey Lance is in some areas of his game, I, I would say kind of particularly the mental aspects of the game, which, you know, as you said before, there's a, there's a certain baseline physical traits that any NFL quarterback needs to have but over and above that the game is really mental at that position where you know reading defenses diagnosing anticipating what's going to happen making sure you're on the same page with everybody on your offense yet do you think Lance would have really benefited from staying at North Dakota State which again we just said the FCS level is viewed with some skepticism by some scouts, but North Dakota State is also the Alabama of the FCS. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I think in a sense he might have benefited from another year, another full body of work, another chance for the coaches to expand the playbook and ask more of him. You know, it's one thing to have that freshman year that he had. You know, 28 touchdown passes, no interceptions, 1,000 yards rushing as well. That's incredible production and incredible efficiency. But it's the mental side of it where 
you know, he's reading half field concepts and one and two receiver concepts, a lot of simplified stuff, a lot of play action that put him in a position to be successful. I thought they could have had a second season with him where they open up the playbook a bit more, ask him to do a bit more. And yeah, he might have thrown five or six interceptions. He might have turned the ball over a little bit more, but you would have also had more evidence to point to and say, look, this guy can step in and run an NFL offense right now. And it might have alleviated some of the concerns that even I have as viewing him or at least trying to view him as somebody that could step in as a rookie week one, week two, whenever, and take over your franchise. So I think in that sense, he might have benefited. I understand though. Look, we all know how this game works. Quarterbacks get pushed up the board. And so if you're Trey Lance and you've got the second to last draft ends, not just chuckleheads like me saying it, but Mel Kuyper Jr. saying, yeah, he's one of the top five quarterbacks to watch and maybe even a top five player, that's going to have an impact on you. That's going to influence your decision making. And so I understand why he came out, um, but I do think he might have benefited from another year. Okay. And so the, the more overarching philosophical question I kind of had is, and it does kind of touch on this, is should we just in general – guys on the outside like us or all the way up to scouts gms should should how we evaluate quarterbacks coming out of college start to evolve because you talked about you could drop trey lance right in the san francisco offense right now and he would be productive i uh, probably similar with the cliff kingsbury offense you know he's probably not kyler murray but I, i'm not entirely sure kyler murray is human uh Andy Reid would probably have success with him right away. Do we need to start maybe changing from how we used to evaluate the uh, Brady Manning field general pocket passer archetype to something new, something different where the NFL can, they're actually willing to work with college prospects and meet them on their terms. Absolutely. And I I think Chris, in some level, that's, already begun. I think the economics of the NFL, which has made it sort of a bit of a competitive advantage to have a rookie quarterback on that rookie deal, get them on the field so you can then spend money and use capital in terms of both cap space and the draft to build around them. You want to get that guy on the field and to be effective sooner rather than later. And so earlier when I mentioned, you know, as much as I'm team sort of sit and wait and develop, the league is moving in a different direction. And so what you have to do, and I actually wrote a piece about this a couple of years ago for the uh, Pro Football Weekly uh, Draft Magazine. I talked to guys like Matt Bowen and Dan Hatman and Tony Rakopi and others around the league about this sort of growth and turning towards younger quarterbacks. And the three-year sort of developmental window for a young quarterback is is gone. It's a dinosaur. So what you have to do if you're going to get that player on the field is to put them in offenses they are ready to run, which in many cases is the sort of Cliff Kingsbury offense with the college spread stuff, the things where they're familiar. Matt Bowen said he'd go as far as to go back and talk to the, these guys and their high school coaches and say, look, what were they good at in high school? Because we want to get that stuff into our playbook. And so I think – We're seeing a move towards the old battleship type of quarterback that will stand in the pocket and hand in there on third and seven and take the shot from the free run and blitzer and throw the out route on third and seven to move the chains. 
that's a thing of the past. You'd like to have that in certain spots, but what's more important now are two things, I think, in terms of quarterback evaluation. And I wrote this last week over a touchdown wire. You need to have some mobility. Now, it doesn't mean, it doesn't have to be Kyler Murray, but you have to be able to create space as a passer and to make people miss as a as an athlete, as a ball carrier. Because the more mobility you have, the more you can do conceptually as an offense. And let's face it, the guys on the defensive ball, defensive side of the ball are athletic as all get out now. And so you are going to have free runners. And if you're just a statue in the pocket, you're going to hamstring your offense. So you have to have some mobility. And I looked at those three rookies. You don't have to be Tua, you know, but you have to be like Herbert and to be able to move around or like Burrow, same thing, to create space and avoid free rushers on a blitz situation and keep plays alive. So you have to have mobility. And the other thing I think you have to have is an understanding of leverage in the secondary. Guys like me, the old battle axes of this sort of football media space, we love it when a quarterback can like diagnose cover two or three cloud or stump or stubby and we get all excited about it. And I'll do videos on Twitter showing off or at least trying to show off the little bit that I know. But in reality, you don't need that. Like look at what Cincinnati's doing with Joe Burrow. Empty formations, man concept to one side, zone to the other. So he doesn't need to decipher if it's three cloud or three sky. He just has to know if it's zone. And then he throws to the zone read that he has. And what you have to have there is just an understanding of the leverage of the nearest defender and then the ability to put the ball away from that nearest defender. So those are the things that I think we have to start really focusing on as we start to evaluate quarterbacks for each draft cycle. Do they have some mobility and can they sort of decipher leverage, have the feel for those throws, and then put the football away from the leverage of that nearest defender. Because I think those right now are the two sort of non-negotiables for young quarterbacks as they start their NFL careers. Well, Mark, that was all we had for you today to discuss Trey Lance. Thank you so much for taking the time to hop on with us for this Saturday scouting report. Uh, Mark, where can people find you on social media? And if there's anything else you'd like to plug, uh, feel free to. Well, guys, thanks so much for having me on. This was a ton of fun. You could find me on the old Bird app, uh, at Mark Schofield on Twitter. I promise not to do too many fleets. <laughs> I know Twitter just dropped the fleets on us, and there's a lot of uh, hand-draining and consternation about now Twitter stories and things like that. I did put one fleet up. It was a video of my cats <laughs> with Africa by Toto in the background. So it was basically like as on brand as it gets for me. So, yeah, but you can find me on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Um, like you mentioned, uh, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, uh, Big Blue View, Blending Green Nation, Pat's Pulpit. Uh, but on Twitter, the bird app at Mark Schofield is probably the best way to find me. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. To wrap today's episode of the Saturday Scouting Report, after hearing that fantastic conversation and thoughts from Mark Schofield, we are just going to provide our thoughts on Trey Lance as a prospect. And again, while part of the stuff that we talked about, how it might not be super likely that the Giants go and grab a guy like Trey Lance or even a quarterback in this class, it's still worth breaking down a super talented player like him. Chris, just looking at him as a prospect He is super unique. He is a fantastic runner. I had the very odd comparison of saying he he runs like Derrick Henry, but he's a quarterback because he's aggressive, he's powerful, he's not afraid of contact, but the fact that he has a a very strong arm really adds to his upside and value. Yeah, I would say there is definitely some, uh, maybe Josh Allen to his game, the, the Buffalo quarterback, not the edge player. Yeah, he has a live arm he can make any throw you ask of him really and he can throw on the move he can throw off platform and you know i do like the way he takes care of the ball you know get through a season no interceptions i i'm not sure if he's thrown an interception in his college career which is granted it that was only about 19 games but that's still impressive and like you said he is a big powerful runner not super agile like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray but he's he's a tough guy to tackle and he's got pretty good vision in the open field yeah so he did end up throwing an interception this season uh the one game that he played against Central Arkansas he did end up turning the ball over but that attention to to detail and unwillingness to turn the ball over that is a very rare trait to find in a quarterback you're not going to find guys that are that protective of the football he has a very live arm he's a very good runner he's good at throwing outside of structure which is big for any quarterback prospect if but if I was to pinpoint some of his weaknesses besides coming from a lower level and playing lower levels of competition He's a little bit behind in terms of mental processing than other quarterbacks are in this class. He has a tendency to lock onto receivers. He has a tendency to be delayed in his thought process on where he wants to deliver the ball to. That is what really slows him down. I think he could be more effective as a passer if he slows the game down around him, which is going to take some time. And then lastly, his deep accuracy is very inconsistent. There are are some throws, if you look at his tape, where he missed receivers that were wide open for deep routes that he completely overthrew. So he needs to improve that uh, that touch on those deep throws. Overall, I mean, I can see this guy as being a top 20 pick. I don't know if you can definitely say with some of the flashes we've seen from Zach Wilson and some decent things from Kyle Trask that he is heads above those guys, those guys but he's going to be a top 20 pick. Some team that is able to draft him and let him sit that like, me, like a Pittsburgh Steelers team or a New Orleans Saints team, an Indianapolis Colts type team, any of those teams are are perfect for Trey Lance. I just don't want to throw him right into the fire because I, I just don't think the results are going to be very good. Yeah, you know, like we like Mark said in our conversation, he Trey Lance is a player who is 
if you want him on the field right away, you're going to have have to have a very accommodating coaching staff. He's going to have to be put in an offense that is basically the the offense he ran in college. You know, a lot of half re, half field reads, uh, one or two read progressions, lots of RPOs, some read option to take advantage of his legs. You bring up his deep accuracy, and to me, I think that's really a mechanical issue for him. I think he does have the potential to be a good deep ball thrower with good timing, good anticipation. But I, I just noticed his throwing motion is a little bit wonky. He's got that he's got a compact release, but a bit of a long windup, which is a little weird for me to watch. It's kind of like an inverted Russell Wilson throwing motion. And also he doesn't always bring his hips with him. He doesn't always line up his hips especially when he's trying to operate quickly. Now, his his arm is so good that doesn't really matter on those short and intermediate passes, but when he has to really fire the ball down the field, it it can be inconsistent. And if he doesn't get his hips lined up, doesn't transfer his weight, I think that's when you see the see that inaccuracy show up. Well, folks, that is going to be it for us on this Saturday Scouting Report episode during the Giants' bye week. Stay tuned for our list of defensive players that are perfect fits or would be a a strong consideration for selection in the first round for the Giants. Be sure to follow us on social media at BigBlueView, at Joe DeLeon, and at RaptorMKII. Lastly, make sure you go to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis.